On this Mother's Day, I think our heart's attention is naturally drawn to mothers. It's something that uh, whether you're working for the card company or the flower company, we got some delivered last night. There's somebody pulled in the driveway and it was, I don't know, close to 10. And uh, I thought, who's there? And I went out and I looked and they just kind of went on. I thought maybe they were turning around. I looked right next to the door and there's flowers that would, uh, her, um, one of her sons gave her. And so it's, it's kind of a neat time of the year. God-given institution. And no matter how our society seeks to redefine motherhood, uh, we all are beneficiaries of it. There's no cabbage leaf that was turned over and we were found there naturally underneath, you know. We had to have a mother. And so we're thankful for what has been given to us in that. A mother is defined as a woman who gives birth or who has the responsibility of a physical and emotional care for specific children. And I think we could put in there spiritual care for, in essence, spiritual aspects of life go far into the physical and emotional care. Birth mothers, those who have brought them in by adoption, others who care for them just by their very nature, some aunts, um, some grandmothers, some neighbors, um, just part of a responsibility that many women have taken on and they, in essence, have become mothers by application. If we look in our Bibles, we see the scripture speaks often just of the woman, but also of the responsibility that others have to that woman, that relationship. Right up behind me, Deuteronomy twenty twelve: Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God hath given thee. And Jesus said that's the first commandment with promise, with promise. Proverbs 31, 28, what we read in our responsive reading, the virtuous woman, her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. Sometimes I imagine moms would like to hear more of that, you know, not necessarily understood in some early mornings, but it's a part of life that is expected in that relationship. Paul writes the first Timothy in First Timothy and says that the elder women are to be treated as mothers. In other words, in the vein of respect and honor. Irrespective of the church having non-physical birth mothers, he says the elder women are to receive such an honor and respect in life. We read of Jesus' treatment of his mother, even from the cross, making sure that John, his brother, would take care of her. It was important. Jesus, the oldest of the family, that was his responsibility, and he passes it on to John. There are particular mothers in scriptures that we remember as being mothers. Who can forget Eve, the mother of all the living? Uh, She's there. Samuel's mother, Hannah. We recall her story, being barren and coming to the temple and praying. God would give her a child. And he did, and it was Samuel. And she surrendered him to the Lord at a young age, and he became a great prophet in the land. Isaac's mother, Sarah, who bore him at the age of 90. 90. Impossible, but it was there. And then Paul could not forget Timothy's mother and grandmother, Lois and Eunice, 
the training up of that young man in responsibility. And then we have the passage before us in our scripture, responsibilities of mothers and others. Titus 2, if you would have a quick trigger finger there. Titus, right after the Timothys, First and Second Timothy, Titus, Philemon, and just a few verses. Picture is being drawn here about the various age levels. Men, women, aged, younger. Titus 2.1 says, But speak thou the things which pertain to sound doctrine. Okay, good teaching. What's the good teaching? Skip down to verse 3. I'm not purposely skipping over the men, but this is where the emphasis is today. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior, as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. This verse 3 here, uh, it speaks of character. It speaks of that which is born within the woman and is displayed in life, in the things that she does in her actions in life. It characterizes godly women. And, and as you read this, the end of verse 3, characterizing is seen in application. He says, teachers of good things. That, in order that, they may teach the young women. The soundness of what the younger women were receiving was found in the character of faith and love of the older women. And sometimes we ask, well, how was that done? How were the older women, mothers and other in relationships by age to younger women, how was that accomplished for practical sake? How are they to teach the younger women, the daughters, to love their husbands and children, not to be enslaved to wine, to be women that are sober-minded, women that are chaste and pure? They have classes every Tuesday night. We're all going to be meeting here, and we're going to be learning how to do those things. No. They had it within life. In other words, it was a practice of life. Obviously, it supported what was verbally taught when these things were being done or when these things are being accomplished. And, and they said, this is what God's word instructs us in relationships to be. This is how we live. This is what we do. But what's born within the text here is the, the fact that they were seen in application. They did it themselves. They lived it far more than they spoke it. Verbal instruction emphasized by actions. Paul tells the church at Corinth, ye are, ye are our epistles written in your hearts, known and read of all men. Paul says, Corinthians, he said, you are a letter written in your heart, known of all men. 
He says, you are living epistles. Paul's letter was obviously limited in its expanse to be able to reach people. You know, only so many people had his hands, even after copies were made, even if it was read. But Paul says, you Corinthians, and in essence all Christians, you are living the word of God. You are displaying it by your actions. And so for these older women, these aged women, these who had a responsibility in teaching, whatever they said verbally had to be supported by their actions. You've heard your actions speak louder than words. It's not found in the scripture. Nonetheless, it is very true. You know, um, I had a lady some years ago remind me, he said, your actions are your greater sermon, you know. She mentioned that a couple times. I didn't know whether I was goofing on something or whether she was just not necessarily thinking properly, you know. But, but she says, that sermon is life in such a display. So for these aged women to teach the younger women such things, they would say it. They would work together in the same framework, and they would be women who love their husbands and love their children, would be chaste, would be pure, would be all of the things that are listed here. And that was a tremendous emphasis. In my own life, I can count on one hand the verbal instructions of my mother. She's been gone for a number of years now, but I don't really remember what mom said. <clears throat> but I have a... <clears throat> I have a volumes of things that I saw her do where I was instructed in ways that were not verbal. Mom clearly showed that she loved us as children. She loved her husband. She loved the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and even in her later days, for eight years, off and on with cancer, and that was finally the door that the Lord took her home to be with, you know, at the age of 51. You know, and that was a display more powerful, more lengthening, stronger than the words that she ever said. And those are the impressions that people have in the lives of others. So I think it's safe to say that we have learned far more from our mother's examples than we have with their words. Sometimes not necessarily the best of things, but <laughs> nonetheless, that's it. I can remember the picture. I can remember the situations and all of that. <clears throat> we learn from them by those examples. Now, this may seem really strange and out of place, <clears throat> but I want to spend the rest of our time looking at another part of the scriptures. A woman, a mother of the Old Testament, um, and I do this because of the example that she was and how not only her words, but her actions supported so much in the life of and what we'll initially refer to as her daughter. Made a tremendous impact. And it was never her intent to do this, but she was what she was. Familiar with the book of Ruth? It is a, an example of of education, of training of an older woman and a younger woman, of an aged woman to a younger woman, and again, brought about by the blessing of God in such a direction. I have six lessons that I believe Naomi had taught Ruth and that I trust will teach us 
Um, and although the, the principle behind us is women, uh, it really affords all of us uh, lessons of the time. The first lesson we want to share that Naomi shared is that there is hope even in the most devastating times of our life. There is hope even in the most devastating, critical times of our life. The book of Ruth begins by looking at the life of Naomi. After moving to Moab, which is a neighbor of Israel, uh, with her husband and her two sons, she loses her husband. She becomes a widow. And then 10 years after that, her sons die. Sons had married Moabite ladies, and the critical issues of life fall upon her. It seems that Naomi's entire life crumbles in those years. In fact, she eventually returns home to Bethlehem, and she expresses herself to everybody. Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. It's crushing to lose a spouse. It's painful to lose a child. And then here we have Ruth also, who lost her husband, one of Naomi's sons. That's how that relationship came about. Leaving her family, she wanted to go back with Naomi to Bethlehem. And when these two women, after this long journey, finally arrived back home, we read and we can understand that they were devastated, they were destitute, they were broken. Neither of them knew how they were going to survive. Women couldn't own property, couldn't hold a job. They were, in essence, in poverty. But both of them had faith and somehow things would work out. They had hope in their future. Um, and I put that in the general terms because we're not talking about spiritually mature people, but we talk about that which was attached within their heart. Naomi already felt that God had dealt very bitterly with her, as we mentioned, and yet she continued to hope. Ruth laid aside her pain and turned her face to the future. Struggles of losing her husband and the struggles of entering into a new land, journeying there with her mother-in-law. I think both of these women showed secure faith. Small as it may have been in the days that were ahead. That hope and that faith was not based upon the alignment of the stars. It wasn't based upon some tea leaves that they read. Some horoscope that they pulled out from the newspaper the next day or from palm readers. Their hope and their faith was based upon the living God. You know, friends, when life brings devastation, it's not easy to hope. And I say, we, 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 we have gone through those occasions of devastation, and they still will come. The loss of family and loved ones, or even property and things like that. And it's hard at those times to find any hope or faith because we're looking at the here and now. This is where I am. This is what I'm feeling. This is the situation that I'm in. But when things are the most difficult, that's when faith and hope need to be applied. Because there is no other way out. There is no other direction. 
It's crushing. Hebrews 11.1 1 reminds us that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I hope for a better day, but it's not there. The evidence of things not seen. Hope is what? Just some words? No. It's based upon a trust in the God who has given such a principle. I don't see it, but we live on a life that I must see, I must touch, I must smell, I must... This is it. But if it's not there, that's what faith is, and that's the principle that's there. Look at the book of Ruth, and we can see that they have confidence, even as they start on their plan in pain, and they don't have a sure, secure answer, except for their faith and trust in God. And I think this is this first principle, that Naomi taught that to Ruth. Not that Ruth heard those words. Not that Naomi says, I'm going to teach you this lesson, Ruth. But it was done as the direction of God. Hope in the most devastating times of life. The second lesson that provided within the book is that the past is not our final destination when we trust in God. Our past isn't it. Our final destination is in God's hands. At the very, very beginning of the book of Ruth, she's living in Moab, her home, her nation. Not sure how old she was, but she had basically lived her entire time there. Uh, ten years moving into the tent with Elimelech and, and Naomi and, and their family. So she was under that tutelage and under that, that, that relationship, and I think she learned an awful lot at that time. But she also knew that the Israelites tended to look down upon the Moabites. They were the cousins that you really never invited to any dinner. They were the ones that we really don't like to talk about. Many of them were rather hated. She was a widow. She was childless. She was living with her mother-in-law. That's where she was sitting. And that past was really burdensome, hard to carry. The journey to Israel must have been frightening. She had made a choice to stay with Naomi to help her. And all the while knowing that going back to her own country was not possible. And that going into this new country, those people wouldn't necessarily be embracing her. Coming from Moab already made her an outcast. And being a childless widow gave her plenty of opportunity to shrink back and just hide just to cover herself up, simply live in obscurity. But that's not what she did. She declared that she was going forth with Naomi to Bethlehem. She purposed in her heart to do that. And it was a country that she left behind, refusing to have her past hold her back. She wouldn't say, oh, I'm poor me and all of this and all of that, therefore, no. She went forward with great confidence. Naomi's example, I think, gave her purpose to go forward. She chose to serve the God of Naomi. And I'm sure, again, these were instructions that Naomi, for 10 years, that Naomi had given her, not only in words, but by the example of the way she lived and so forth. No matter what our difficulties are in the past or our hardships, even in the present, and we can sit and talk, and there are times when all of a sudden we start, well, I've got this and I've got that, and pretty soon one after the other, and we, we enter, end up in a pity party. 
But our past is not our final destination when we choose in faith to trust the living God. Our past is our past. While our confidence may be wavering and circumstances don't necessarily make any sense, the promises of God are true and faithful. We're battling with that. But this is what I see. This is what I know, my past and so forth. But no, that's not the case. And not only that, the Apostle Paul can say with us, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Forgetting, putting to death, casting it away, the good or the bad, means nothing to my present and especially to my future because my future is all bound with Christ. My future is all in him. Third lesson that Naomi provides unto Ruth and for us is that doing the right thing can take great sacrifice. Doing the right thing often takes great sacrifice. Doing what's right, as you may well know, isn't easy, is it? In fact, it often involves considerable cost. And I'm not necessarily talking about finances. Naomi reminded Ruth that she was free to go back and to be with her family. They're packing up, ready to go. And he says, you can go back. You can go back to your own people. You can find a husband. He'll take care of you. Uh, Her sister-in-law, the the, the one who had married Naomi's other uh, son, did go back. But Ruth made a different decision. Ruth chose to go with her mother-in-law, showing not only how dedicated she was to Naomi, but also that her dedication to the God of Israel was evident. The purpose that she was going was to be with her and him. In that instant, she decided, in Ruth's words, entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do to me, so do to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. It involved tremendous sacrifice, and she had nothing except that which was bound within her confidence in what Ruth had taught her and in the Lord. It was a sacrifice for Ruth to refuse to return to her family and to stay in the country of her own birth. Yet her commitment to this journey on with Naomi was beautiful. It was a selfless act. She cut everything off of herself and did it all even as it was beautiful A stunning example, I think, of the Lord Jesus Christ. The same Christ who indeed would be in the bloodline of her and her husband Boaz. And eventually through David, hence the Messiah. I believe Naomi's actions spoke volumes to Ruth. And it showed Ruth where real treasure was. She didn't necessarily have to speak it. But Ruth saw where treasure was in the heart of Naomi. Leaving Moab may have looked to be a great sacrifice to some, but for Ruth, her future was with her mother-in-law 
and the Lord she served. That was her great reward. Fourth lesson provided within her life is that sharing openly about our bond with God brings intimacy to our relationships in life. Sharing openly about my relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ can indeed bring intimacy and closeness to our relationships in life. You read the story of Ruth and Naomi and you find that there's more said about the two of them together than separately. They are inseparable in such a relationship. In fact, we see this bond between these two women as most powerful and beautiful to read. It's a stunning look at the blending of lives. As we've already seen, these two women shared great sorrow, and yet they had a great affection for one another, a closeness between what we would say is a mother-in-law to her daughter-in-law. We see also that there was a great freedom involved in this relationship. Naomi loved Ruth, but she was willing to let her go back to be with her own family. That closeness that was found was willing to be sacrificed in order that she would stay there and to be happy. But it was Ruth's love for Naomi that made her willing to leave that country in order to return to Israel. And even though Naomi knew that there was the potential of a marriage with Ruth, and it was, and that was something that Naomi put together with Boaz, she says that may end up being my loss because she'll go with her husband. It was something she was willing to sacrifice. You know, it was their faith that was the center of their relationship and intimate communication. Through this intimate relationships of conversation, we don't necessarily understand, but we see the beauty of being honest to each other. We often feel like the need to keep quiet when we're questioning God. We don't want to discourage people having a hard time understanding why is God doing this and why is God doing that. And maybe I better not say anything because they'll think me weak or they'll look poorly upon my Lord. Sometimes we're afraid to share questions and doubts and disappointments when we turn to other people because we think it'll turn them away from the Lord. But God can bring intimacy to our friends and our family and help them draw together as we we share how we are with him And I think this is expressed in what Ruth heard from Naomi's voice. He says, God dealt bitterly with me. Why did he take my husband? Why did he take my sons? And yet their faith was strong. And I think their conversation, especially on that journey from Moab all the way back to Bethlehem, was most evident of that. Naomi was open with Ruth about her joy and her fear and her pain and the anguish that came from, and yet it was a trust in God. She admitted that she felt that God had dealt with her poorly, and yet it was that sharing of intimacy that became the foundation of this great relationship, because Ruth indeed felt the exact same thing. So you can continue to trust in him. Number five, we must be people of character even when there is nobody watching. Character It's who you are when nobody else is there to see it. Who you are when nobody else is watching. You you think Ruth had no idea that millions upon millions upon millions of people would be reading her story as time went on. 
She was a simple example of life living in obscurity. Yet she showed incredible character. Even the character that Boaz, her future husband, would be so pleased to see. He says, It hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother in the land of thy nativity, and are come unto the people which thou knewest not hitherto. Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than in the beginning, inasmuch as thou, thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, fear not, I will do to thee all that thou requirest, for all the city of this people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. Her example, her character, was set forth for everyone to see. No selfishness, but it was her faith and trust in that responsibility before God to take care of her mother-in-law. And that love relationship that was bound between these two women spoke volumes. She's called a virtuous woman. She worked hard to provide food for her and her mother-in-law, and everything she showed showed character. And it was a character that indeed would be honored by God. In such a day in which we live, it's refreshing to find men and women of integrity, men and women of character, doing such not because they are looking for a better job or to become popular, but simply because it's the right thing before the face of God. And how God refreshes our souls when they come across our path. When we find them, when we meet them, when we work with them. He says, this is so, so beautiful. That's the way we should teach. That's exactly how we should live. And then finally, number six. God uses unlikely people for his purpose. An example that obviously Naomi never thought about. But it was a lesson that Ruth pulled from her life and that we sit back and we can see. (laughs) Ruth was poor. She was hurting. She was an outcast. She was a widow. She grew up in an evil country, an enemy of Israel. That was her background. That was her very nature. She was childless. She moved to a foreign country where nobody knew her except knowing her mother-in-law. They struggled with poverty. She had to go and gather behind the harvesters just to gram the, the emptiness of the field in order that they would be provided for. She had to go and do this when nobody else would look after this foreign widow. And who would have guessed that God would choose her bloodline to bring the promised Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ? You would look at scriptures and we read through her story And we learn that God uses the most unlikely people for his purpose. From Genesis to Revelation, we find such. Just look at the five women mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus. Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, and Mary. Five ladies that don't necessarily stand out for their qualities that the world might see. Tamar, (laughs) resorted to trickery to bear a son. Rahab, a prostitute, yet saved by faith, 
and trust as the walls of Jericho came crashing down. Ruth, a widow, a Moabitess. Bathsheba, the text refers to her as Uriah's wife in the genealogy of Jesus and only became David's wife after David took her for himself and killed Uriah. And then Mary, the young virgin who was already estranged to Joseph, engaged to him when she became pregnant with Jesus, I think showed great courage and willingness to go forward in order to to bear the shame that she may have knowing that she was pregnant before marriage. Ruth reminds us that no matter what lies of our past, no matter how difficult the circumstances that we find ourselves in, no matter what huge differences we may find with what is going on, even in our obscurity and even in the mess of what our lives could be, God finds a way to use the most unlikely people that we could ever imagine. Sometimes we could sit here and think, well, why has God chosen me? What is he purposed in my life for? What's the direction that's there? But that's not for us to ask. We are as Ruth, we are as Naomi, men and women who have been given responsibilities to others that are around us. We have been given opportunities to be able to speak, not only with our words, but more so with our actions. If our faith and trust and confidence is in the God of the scriptures, the God who has created this universe, the God who orchestrates all things, the sovereign God, then we ought to display that and not be people of fear, not be people who are cowards to be able to speak the truth in times with love, but be able to, as Naomi did, speak truth and be honest and allow people to see the Christ who has redeemed me, where I have been and where I am now and where I am confident I'm going to end up being. We're thankful for the example of godly mothers and those that are in your life. We could take time just to think of the women who have been part of us, who instructed us, maybe for a day or an hour, uh, even a few minutes. Somebody who took us aside and sat with us and prayed with us, and some that we'll never even know, who are a very important part of our life. And then we can think of those that we have been in contact with. Mothers to younger women, men to younger men, the instruction that we give them, how we speak truth to them, but also how we support what words we say with our actions. May the Lord not only grant uh, this day a day to remember and honor mothers and their responsibilities and as various as they are, but may we recognize that he is the author of all such things, that he's blessed us tremendously. And those gifts that he has given us, much like what he had given both Ruth and Naomi, are not to be held, but they're to be shared and used for his glory. Let's pray. Father, just a, a few thoughts upon our text today. Thank you that there were times in the Bible that instruction was needed and that it was important that words needed to be shared that women needed to learn this and that, and younger women to be trained in this way and that way. But we thank you for the godly examples that bore behind those words and were remembered and were used. 
Thank you that such a heritage has been brought us, to us today, that there are men and women in our lives uh, from our own parents to maybe <clears throat> adopted mothers or Sunday school teachers or neighbors, uh, godly people who came into our lives even for a brief period of time and in, in encouraged us and put their arm around us and prayed for us and walked with us and allowed us to see who you are through, yes, the scriptures, but also through their own actions. We pray you'll forgive us for the times that we have failed to live properly in such a way, that we have let the word down, we've not behaved in, in fashions of integrity, that our character has been somewhat in question. But that, Father, is also a blessing because it shows your long-suffering. It shows your grace and your mercy. And thank you, Father, for working with us and through these times. Uh, Father, the seeds that we sow today can only bring increase as your Spirit does so. So, Father, we thank you again for our mothers. Thank you for the women who have been brought into our lives that have been such a blessing. Thank you for their uh, intent and purpose. Pray for those who are still without the family of God that you'll continue to work in their hearts to bring them to faith and trust in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.